Hanging out with love, hanging out with love, hanging out with love, hanging out with love. All right, love and light, everyone. This is love from the platform, hanging out with love, and I am your confidence coach. I'm super excited about this series on just different character traits and bringing in individuals to talk about their perspective. So today we are talking about integrity and I have a very special guest, colleague, friend who I met through the Think Garden, believe it or not. And we facilitated an entrepreneurial mindset training together and he's just a real stand-up guy with a lot of knowledge. So without further ado, I want him to go ahead and introduce himself and tell you more about what he does. Hey, hey. My name is Shibli Dandridge, and what I do, let me see. Okay, so my day job, I am in community development and advocacy. I work with a small nonprofit organization in Charlotte called Life Connections, and we provide diversion programs for um, juvenile justice-involved youth. We also provide re-entry programs for adults who are incarcerated at Mecklenburg County uh, Sheriff's Office in the, the detention facility. And I'm also an interim executive director for the Reentry Housing Alliance, which is an advocacy organization uh, focused on creating housing opportunities for justice-involved individuals, that's what it is, like right. formerly incarcerated and those who may have felony convictions who are, are finding it hard to get housing because of their record, we advocate on their behalf. We also put on landlord seminars and workshops to explain why renting to people with a record is not only a necessity, but a wise investment. Mm -hmm. We also teach people, people who are going through those situations through various workshops in conjunction with the sheriff's office, how to be good tenants, renting with a record, uh, homeowner readiness classes, and, mm -hmm. and things like that. And on the side, I am a real estate investor. So I know that's a lot and a mouthful, but <laughs> that's pretty much where I start and not quite where I stopped, but somewhere along the middle where I, where I rest for a little bit. <laughs> that makes sense. No, that is, a, it is a lot, but it all connects very well together. Real estate, housing, home owner readiness, all of that stuff is needed. And I think a lot of people, just because of the stigma of incarceration and just being beat down repeatedly, a lot of them don't even look into what their options are because they feel like, oh, I've been told that I can't have a house or I can't get anything in my name. And it's not true. There's there's always a way around it. Um, even when I look at jobs, I've come across people who say, oh, well, I can't work because I have a felony on my record. And I'm like, 
well, what does that mean? You know, there are jobs out here that you can still get and make money. Um, So I think these things are very important and they say a lot about your integrity. Um, So yeah, I love this. And we will definitely, I'm sure, dive more into that topic because incarceration, that's something that has definitely hit home for me. Um, Not even necessarily with my family, but just in my, my friend group, you know, growing up around a lot of guys who disappeared after like the 10th grade and just came back home. I'm actually interviewing one of them in a a few days, actually. So just to talk about their story and their experience. Um, So this is really good. So to segue into integrity, what does integrity mean to you? How would you define that? Well, for me, integrity is everything. And it hasn't always been something that I was conscious of to the point that I am today. And I'm not even going to say that I I still don't have times when after I look at something in hindsight, I feel like I may have compromised my own integrity. And every time that that happens, it's an opportunity for me to grow and to elevate to another way of being that serves me better than what I was uh, before I made that realization. So for me, integrity is everything part and parcel to us having a conversation before we even started today, uh, I said that integrity is what we do when nobody's looking, right? It's easy. And and for real, for real, a lot of times I see a lot of people really, they bring in their, their IG self or their Facebook self or their Twitter self when it's what I want you to see, right? In the public domain, I want you to think that I'm a, 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 a good person doing good work in the community or that I'm an upstanding reverend or that I'm a good civil servant as a police officer, but really I'm I'm a piece of trash when the lights is out and the door closed, right? That's that's the thing for for me that integrity has taken on the the archetype of is yo, what are you doing when nobody's looking? Are you still the same individual? Am I still the same individual who say Oh, yo, I love everybody, even if they don't like me, you know, or do I just say that on your podcast and then go close the door and and secretly I'm hating on my neighbor or secretly I'm hating on a Republican or whatever thousand variations of things that are out there that we could uh, uh, be one way and the light on and then when the light is out, be another way. So for me, integrity is the amount of everything that an individual is in their work life, in their home life, in their community life, in their spirit life, and in their private life. If, if, if as long as you're cool with who you are and you don't have to really front for nobody, then I feel like you're standing on whatever your value for the integrity is. So, so mine um, is, is just one that I, I really like things like what Gandhi did, Mother Teresa did, MLK did. You know, just people who came to the earth, they shine a great light of uh, a spirit, a, a big spirit. You know, I, I hate to get 
into religion because, like, you know, everybody's not a religious person, but that they came and they shined the light of big spirit on humanity, made a good contribution, and then left. And none, nobody, none of the names that I mentioned, nor I, are perfect or were perfect or will be perfect. So integrity to me is the amount of always trying to get it right and do good and best by you and those around you and whoever you're in service to. That's what it looked like. Mm, that's good. Now, I'm glad you mentioned that aspect of perfection too because I think a lot of people get caught up in what they do right. Like always looking at, oh, well, these are the things I do right. So they really want to ignore what we call that shadow self, that shadow side where those are the things you're not really proud of, the aspects of yourself that are in you that you may not want people to see, but still being able to stand up in it and say, okay, but this is who I am, you know, or, and this is what I'm working towards if that's something that you want to change. And I think you have to have a matter of self-awareness to get to the space where you are being integral because how can you have integrity if you're not being honest with yourself about who you are first? Yeah, you, you said something that that, um, that really, for me, is important. And it's, it's the shadow self. I mm -hmm. never really heard it uh, spoke like that. But that part that you really don't want a lot of people to see or know about you mm -hmm. and kind of being honest with that. Not kind of, but really being honest with that. And I think that um, part of my own experience included incarceration, probably why I work so, so intimately in the field of formerly incarcerated and helping people through the process of transitioning and becoming successful. But um, there's a lot of stigma. There's a lot of social stigma. There's a lot of pain. There's a lot of uh, prejudice, discrimination f on people who have come through that type of situation. And like, yo, if you came through incarceration, that means that along the way you broke the agreement with, with the social construct. So society, uh, so to speak, you broke that agreement and that trust. And so somewhere along the line, you was a dirtbag, so to speak, if you just look in the context of upstanding um, citizenship, right? Mm -hmm. And so it was a point in my life, and it's still probably points in my life, I don't get me twisted, that I'm, I'm behaving in dirtbagism. You know what I mean? Like I was a dirtbag before because I took this from somebody or I was pumping poison in my neighborhood or whatever the case may be. Like maybe womanizing or, or not being uh, truthful in relationships, whatever, whatever I was doing, because I've probably done it all. Right. Um, there is a part of who I am today that's intimately tied to that and being vulnerable, being naked. Meaning, come out and say, yeah, I did that. Yeah, one time I assaulted a female. That wasn't cool. And what happens is I learn from that. And learning from that puts the sacrifice that happened in that time with me and that individual or whatever the case may be. It gives it a value now. Mm -hmm. Because now I'm not that person. And now I'm supporting people who are going through those situations and saying, listen... That's not cool what you're doing. I ain't saying it's right or wrong. Is it, is it creating a better resolve? Are you having a more positive outcome? Are you uplifting and edifying people by your actions? And if you're not, think about it. 
Because if you want some dirtbagism, the world don't need no more dirtbags. We got enough of them. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And so, and, and, and I'm never critical myself, at least for me. I'm never critical of the person who's going through their dark hours because our dark hours are what gives us the motivation, the inspiration to, to go to the better days that we, we get to eventually and be who we become. So you got to go through something, right? And when you go through something, don't just put it in the closet or don't just suppress it in your memory or don't try to repress your thoughts about it or the trauma behind it. Live through it, heal from it, and then make it have a value going forward. That's the only time it's worth something. And so that's where I, I think that a lot of times um, people will, will confuse the value for what integrity looks like. Like integrity don't look like being perfect and not falling short. It looks like when you realize that you fell short, doing something about it. Mm-hmm. You see what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. And so, so it's, I mean... Like, I can go on and on for days about that topic, but what you said about, like, that, that quiet time, that dark self, the thing that you really don't want anybody to re- realize or know about you, them be the most valuable lessons in life. Them mm-hmm. be the ones that people can, can, can actually benefit from when you share them. That's good. And you know what? When I talk about the shadow self, I'm always thinking about it from like a spiritual perspective, because that's typically when people do that kind of work, you know, they call it shadow work. It's like you're really examining your past. You're examining some patterns that you see in your actions and figuring out like, wow, what do I see here? You know, is this something that's repeating itself? How is it impacting me? Um, and it's necessary to do that, but something you said really stood out to me when you were talking about how when you get, when you become incarcerated, you get perceived as a dirtbag because you took something from someone or whatever the case may be. And it goes back to that morality where it's like, if you were in that state of, okay, I got to get it. Like I need something and you're trying to get a need met. You're not always thinking clearly because you're trying to get your needs met. And I think that's one of the things they're trying to um, integrate. When I say they, I mean social workers, policymakers. It's helping them understand that when someone is in survival mode, things are different. And that is where integrity, the things that are embedded in you comes in. Because you do have people who are like, you know what? I'm going through. I don't have it right now, but I don't got to go take it from the next man. I'm going to figure it out. You get what I'm saying? But oftentimes, you know, even people with integrity, your judgment can be impaired from you not having what you need. You know, your family's not eating or whatever the case may be. Everybody has a different trigger. For some people, it may be, you know, they lost a couple of their cars and that's their pride and glory. Right. But for other people, rock bottom may be, oh, well, I had to tell my son that he has to take out loans because I can't pay for school anymore. You know, everybody's situation looks different. And it's just a reminder that like none of this is concrete. You know, it it really is about your definition of things, how you view it. You know, integrity looks different to everybody. But then you have uh, what we call that moral code, that standard that they want to hold everyone to, you know, where it's like, okay, at least now we'll have an equilibrium so that people aren't trying to call integrity something that's way down here in the gutter, you know. Um, But then you don't have the standards so high that people feel like they have to 
conform to what somebody else deems as what integrity is and vice versa. So it's just so many different nuances. And the more I learn, the more I'm realizing, like, we just have a lot to learn. You're never going to know everything. You just really have to trust your process and figure out what all of these things look like for yourself. And that's why I'm doing this series, because there's people who they've never even heard. They may have heard the the term integrity, but they don't know what that means. You know, and I feel like when you expose someone else's point of view about something, you can sort of open up their world to show them like, this is what it looks like to me. So how would you define it? Or even how would you reframe it if you don't even know what words to use, you know, for that to be something that you can see in your personal life at this moment. So when it comes to integrity, if you were teaching, let's say a five-year-old about integrity, how would you break that down to them? Well, so you don't teach a five-year-old the meaning of integrity. You just teach them little life skills, right? Mm -hmm. Largely, everything you need to know about life and integrity is taught and modeled almost before five years old. By five years old, you got it all, right? It's the simple things in life. Do unto others. Share. Be compassionate. Show empathy, right? Be polite and considerate. Those things define your level of integrity, right? Something you said while you were speaking and you were talking about moral compasses or moral codes, right? And so the society or the social construct as we know it creates a level of moral turpitude or a place where you could set your moral dial to say, hey, due north is 90 degrees to the west, right? And then you can keep on going in that way. Mm -hmm. And it's very minimal at that point. Like, if you're out and you're in somebody's personal space, you're in there three to four feet, let's say six feet now, since we got this social (laughs) distancing thing, but you're in there six feet, Mm -hmm. right? You come in there, and if you come aggressive, mean-spirited, or or, uh, malicious, or whatever, then you're, you're... bumping down. I mean, it's going down a whole lot. Mm -hmm. The moral plumb line, like the measurement that we use for what integrity looks like, just in a general sense, right? And then there's there's the elevated sense of it, saying when somebody else take the low road, what Michelle Obama said, when they go low, we go high. Mm -hmm. You know, if somebody else takes the moral low road, Here's a chance for you to show your integrity stance at an even more elevated uh, uh, rate. So, so like, and, and something else you mentioned that, that resonated, but kind of off of what I'm saying. Like, I'm not teaching a five-year-old saying, hey, integrity is A, B, C, D, E, F, G. I'm modeling a character way of being that they can hold on to and internalize and they can be that way. Mm. And I, you know, not what I said, though. You see what I did? I opened the door for that young lady. Mm. You see what I did when that man was being mean to that, la- that, that, that older lady? I went over there. I said, sir, let me take care of this. I got it, man. Come on. How can I help you? Right? That's showing 
a way of being that exemplifies integrity, right? Mm-hmm. What you do when you're not looking? Because, like, I could be talking junk about the young and old lady in my mind or in this room with you and then go outside and pretend like I'm a, a certain type of person. You see what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. So, um, I wouldn't I wouldn't seek to teach a five-year-old fundamentally what integrity looks like. I would always be in a way that a person can see integrity in my behavior. And we start at the the, the societal uh, uh, we start at the societal um, value for what does a person behaving in integrity appear to have be and do, right? That's, that's no, be, do, and have. That's, that's the way, actually. They're, they, they behave this way, so they're being like this. They do these things, and because of that, they have these outcomes. Mm. You see what I'm saying? The other thing you said something about that I wanted to kind of jump on, because it was part of my experience, and I write about it in my book, is that uh, necessity, obviously, is the mother of all creation. Like, mm. if I need food, I'm going to figure out a way to get money. Right, even if that getting money looks like something that's illegal, right? Um, that was part of my my experience. That was part of my own experience, and I also realized when I sat back in isolation and I looked at everything that I had done and what it had had uh, uh, produced for me, I realized that if I had made just a smaller investment in something else, whatever that something else may be this outcome, this result might look different. So uh, while I'm, I'm familiar with the, the reality, the condition of when I, was, when I was young, when I was 19 years old, I was shot in the back and, and mm. critically injured so that I was paralyzed. I am paralyzed, right? And I had two young kids and I didn't have any marketable skills. I had gotten shot when I was 18. So while I was going back to college and I had SSI as my primary source of income, that wasn't paying for daycare and pampers and milk and all the rest of that stuff. So out of the necessity to get those things, I relied on something that I knew could help me get them. So I was selling weed, right? So I could get those things. And I also could have took the Microsoft coding class that was being offered at goodwill to people that were in my condition. And I also could have been, after nine months, a computer programmer, mm-hmm. right? I spent over nine years in prison for, I spent 13 years in prison for selling weed and drugs in order to make provisions for my young kids because I didn't have marketable skills. But I also could have made a, a, a sacrifice to go get marketable skills and go to work like everybody else. Mm. So, I mean, while I understand that condition, like today, the level of my own personal conviction and integrity, I would never make the same move that I made 17, 18 years ago when I didn't have this level of awareness or Mm. this level of, yo, you know what, I'm not going below that. You know, so so now if, if society's uh, plumb line is on level four, my own 
maybe on level nine, where I want to be is level 23. I want to be on level 23. So I still got more bumping it up to do in order to get there. But uh, that's, that's the thing that's important at this stage in my life, right? Knowing better, doing better, being better, and who am I being when nobody's looking? Who am I being when nobody's looking? Mm, that's good. I'm glad you said that because, you know, you always have people, not that I know you don't have any regrets per se, because uh, you didn't say that, but you always have people who are like, oh yeah, I don't have no regrets. I wouldn't change nothing and da 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 da. And it's like to save face for themselves in a way or make it seem like, you know, well, it, it was what it was. But when you look back and you can say, nah, if I was in that situation again, I would have done something differently. That takes a different level of understanding, you know, because you got to, that's honest. So somebody else can look at that and be like, okay, yeah, well, he said he wouldn't change nothing about it. So maybe I will be able to invest in real estate and get married and have a family and all of that stuff after I do what I'm going to do. Instead of being like, nah, I have an opportunity to go ahead and get in front of this and rectify it. Because had he been in the position that I'm in now, he would have moved differently. So what's stopping me from doing that? So, so the reality is that you can. You can do whatever you're doing now. And you can mess it all up. And you can do 13 years in prison. And you can come back out. And you can get on track and put your life together. You can do it at any time. And smart money... Smart money investment says, yo, that dude over there did it like this, right? And he's saying that had he had another opportunity, he would do it like this. Why not follow the, today's formula mm. instead of following the mind and the behavior of, well, I'm going to do what I'm going to do anyway. I can make it up later, right? Because put it to you like this. People will go online. And look at podcasts of the Wall Street Trapper or uh, Chris Zane. or These are all people who are dealing with stocks, right? They're doing stocks and they're teaching people. Like they got these programs that teach you how to buy stocks, right? And the Wall Street Trapper was in jail for murder, right? Mm -hmm. He got, I, I forgot, I want to say he did like 10 years in jail for murder, and a, a, a situation, well, attempt murder, I think, but a situation that landed him in uh, administrative segregation had him come across somebody who opened his mind up to some different stuff, right? So if you were, if you would sit there and listen to the Wall Street Trapper and then follow his script and his formula right now, why wouldn't you sit here and listen to Hanging Out With Love and listen to what she believe dangerous is saying, like, yeah, you could go mess it all up if you want to, or you could hear what I'm saying and take another route that'll put you at success a decade earlier than it did me, you know, or whatever, straight out of high school. Because you in delinquency right now, you jacking it off and you starting to create a record and a reputation and, and all of these results that aren't going to serve you, right? Making a left turn right now because you heard this podcast where a guy was talking about, man, you ain't got to touch the fire to know it's hot. Look at the guy who got burnt next to you and ask him what it was like and ask him what he did to get over that and then do that. Because mm -hmm. that's all that I'm doing now. Now I'm starting to... Look at people who was telling me all these beautiful and wonderful things before 
I'm getting them to tell me now, and I'm applying it. And it works. So the only thing that's not working in an equation where you're not successful is you. You're the only thing that's not working. And if you want to change that, when you do, every answer you need is out there. Probably on your damn cell phone. Mm-hmm. Probably a Google search away or a YouTube search for instructions away on how to do something different. I don't care what the situation is. Domestic violence, uh, ex-drugs, uh, 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 addiction, loss of your your business. I don't care bankroll. I don't care what it is. There's probably likely somebody who's gone through that experience, capitalized afterwards, and put it on YouTube so somebody else could be helped behind them. Mm. And all it is is about the time when you're ready to actually change your relationship with whatever it is, whether it's money, relationships, integrity. You know, I had I had a time when integrity didn't mean as much to me as it means today. And even today, when it means a lot, it doesn't mean that I'm not still falling short on being integritous with every action. However, today it means enough to me that I'm going to get right back on track real quick. Mm-hmm. And that's for me. I don't give a damn what the next person think about me. I don't care what they feel about integrity. Because like you said, that's individual. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like what you eat don't make me fart. What I ain't going to make me fart. Mm-hmm. So in that uh, uh, instance, in case, you know, the way you feel about integrity might not be as, as, as high as I feel. Or it might be higher. Mm-hmm. Right? But the, the reality in any situation for any and all of us is the only that time things shift for any of us in our success, in our situation, in our experiences, in our results, is when we decide that we want to do something different. Right, right. It always, everything starts with a decision. And that's something that I say a lot on my platform is just talking about choices. Um, you have to be able to make choices. That's literally what life is all about. That's what you're doing every day from the time you wake up deciding what you want to eat for breakfast, you know, do you want to take a shower now or you want to wait until 12 o'clock? Everything is choices. But when you think about life as something a lot more complicated than what it is, it makes it difficult. People try to overthink things or they want to overcompensate for decisions in one area because they feel like, well, I'm kind of out of control of this one. So let me try to control everything over here. Or they want to control what other people do in relation to their situation. And you can't do that. You know, you can have a conversation with someone. You can let them know what your intentions are. But ultimately, everybody else has their own choice to make. And like you said, integrity, part of integrity is not basing your choices off of what somebody else does. It still has to be something that's very real to you based off of what you actually desire. And when you keep that in the forefront of your mind, when you decide, okay, this is what I want, and I don't really know how to get there, but I'm going to figure it out, it helps you move in a certain direction. But I've even seen where it's difficult or can be difficult for people to have integrity when they don't have a sense of direction. Because then you're allowing, you're just blowing with the wind. If somebody comes around and they see also that you don't really have a plan for yourself, they're going to give you one. That's what people do. You know, you meet a person, they seem like a cool individual. You know what? I got a job for you. 
what are you doing on this day? You get what I'm saying? Like everybody, if they have an agenda, they're going to put you onto whatever their agenda is. If you don't have a path of your own. So I feel like if I were to create, I guess, a pillar of what integrity would be, one of them is to make sure that you have a sense of direction, like know what you want. And then the other thing, of course, would be figure out how to get to it. What are you going to do to get there? There's a lot of people out here with these abstract goals. They can tell you all day, oh, I, I want to start my own business. That's the most popular thing that I hear. I want to start my own business. Well, what kind of business is that? Some people don't know that. Or if they know what kind of business, I ask them, okay, well, what are you doing to work on the goal? Some people don't know that. You get what I'm saying? And so when you don't have that sense of direction, anybody can sway you. Then it's people trying to dangle things in front of your face. Oh, you want to do music? All right, well, you know, it, it's always that. But it's very, it's more difficult. I won't say very difficult, but I think it's more difficult to be misled in certain situations or get off of what you feel like your moral code is when you have that desire to research things for yourself and really put yourself out there. Like, put yourself in the driver's seat of your life. Yeah. Yo, um, I, one, a word that jumped out at me when you were talking about um, people's motivations and things and, and groundings. That's what I heard, groundings. Mm. Um, intrinsic. Intrinsic came to mind. Like, it has to be uh, an intrinsic thing with you to say, hey, I'm going to set my moral compass to integrity high, right? And then the next thing is, like you said, having a goal or a direction so that you can get wherever it is that you're trying to go, mm. right? Um, people, a lot of people, myself included, uh, probably for a long time were and are just living, right? And that's, that's that condition of going wherever you're led or distracted to go, right? And um, in order to have an anchor and to not just be living, but to be alive, which means you're creating life, you're creating your circumstance, you're creating the condition, you have to be, you have to have some type of thing that, that gives you a purpose. So there has to be some passion, right? And you have to have a purpose, which is the destination that you were talking about or the goal. Mm -hmm. And then how do you chart your course? Well, the law of attraction says if I'm looking at the other side of that room and I ultimately desire to be on the other side of this room, I'm going to create the context to get there. Mm -hmm. And I'm going to start moving to the other side of this room because that's what I have on my mind. Mm -hmm. And that's what I want to do. And so, um, for me, it has been important to make sure that my passion and my purpose 
and my profession are all in alignment. Because you spend the majority of your life in your profession, whatever that is. Mm -hmm. You spend the majority of your life there. And when you don't align your profession with your purpose and the stuff that you're passionate about, your time gets split. And you're taking two different courses in your life because you have to survive. So out of necessity, you have to pursue your profession. Now, people who are ahead of the, 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 the curve or the game, they know very early what they're passionate about. And so they chart their trajectory for their profession on what it is that they're passionate about and eventually stand in their purpose because their profession and their passion meet and boom. They're doing what they was called and created to do. Mm. You see what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. Some other people like myself let the wind blow you a couple of places a couple of times. You find out you don't want to be there. And then you be like, oh, hell no. I got to do something different now. Right. And then you start to check in and do something different. And that different turns into a passion, which gives you purpose. And if you smart at that point, which I'm going to claim wisdom at that junction. <laughs> you know, I might not have been smart before then, but I'm going to claim wisdom at that junction. That's when I made everything that I care about become my professional aspirations. Because now I don't get up and go to work. Now I get up and do what I was created for. Mm. And that's where you'll find that end goal. That's where you'll find that game plan that keeps you from being uh, swayed or uh, put off track by somebody saying, hey, you want to be a rapper or you want to be in this next music video. No, mm -hmm. I'm not a music man. No, I'm not an entertainer. Right. I'm a real estate professional. I help formerly incarcerated people. I'm a community developer. I'm an advocate. That's what I do. Now, when you got something that sounds like that, call me up. <laughs> I mean, you can tell me, my mm -hmm. auntie do such and such. Well, give me your auntie number. That's who I need to talk to. Right. And you need to talk to my son because he does music. Mm -hmm. That's what you need to do. But, man, you, we on, we're on different playing fields. And so I'm going to put you where you need to be and I get where I need to be. And the world gets to be a better place. Mm, that's good. And you know what? I'm so glad you mentioned that because being in this entrepreneurial space, people will come at you with a lot of different opportunities or what they consider an opportunity for you. Um, and so they'll present these ideas like, hey, I do this, you know, or the famous question, do you keep your income options open? And it's like, I really, I have a lot going on. Like, I'm already, you know, working towards something. And so I just encourage you all who are listening, if you have a hustle like that, if you have something, even if it's not one of those uh, third-party type of, you know, you bring somebody in and they got to bring somebody in type of circles, like a lot of life insurance or whatever, uh, or what are those people sell, like, different skincare products and Nutriburst, they drinking all the, you know, the healthy supplements and stuff. But you have to understand that some people are just not interested in that. And that doesn't mean stop talking to people and stop putting yourself out there. I don't, I would never say that because that's how you make your living and you're obviously happy with what you're doing. But understand that everybody has their thing. So if a person tells you like, you know, this really isn't my thing, just keep doing you. 
one of the things that I learned this year was that people don't mean you any harm by declining something that they don't feel like is for them. And that's okay. And the other thing I learned was that the biggest influ influential thing that you can do is live a life of excellence. Like you said, living a life where you're showing this person who you are instead of telling them. So if I am in my profession as a web designer, designing logos, social media management, and I'm doing well with that, then other people can look at me and say, love, what do you do? You know, that brings people, that makes them intrigued. So I can tell you all day about, girl, no, you need to start your own business. You need to do this. You need to do that. But some people, they're not going to be on board until they see those results. And this is why even when you look at mass media, people share results first. These companies, they've been studying and testing and doing all this stuff. They got the before and after pictures. They come to you with the results because that's what we as humans buy into. So you can't be upset with a person for not buying into a result that you don't have yet. You're, you're still working towards it, and that is okay. But it's just being able to honor the space that you're in and realizing that it's not, it's not a personal thing. Yo, I'm, I'm glad you ended on that note because I wanted you to go back to you said you had to learn something uh, important this year and that the, that is that people don't mean you any harm when they tell you that something's not for them. Is that, did I? Mm -hmm. so, okay. So, um, the, the people actually are giving you a gift when they tell you no. Mm. Right? So many times we get our esteem and our sense of personhood wrapped up in whether or not my idea is for you or whether or not this opportunity or venture is for you, right? And if I come to you and you don't shoot it straight with me, you say, I say, hey, love, I'm in Amway and I know you got a big following and da-da-da-da-da. You'd be great for this business because you're outgoing and blah, blah, blah. But that's not what you're on. You're on social media development, brand consultant, image consultant, blase, blase, right? Mm -hmm. When you tell me no, you're actually doing me a favor. You're actually helping me not waste time. Right. You see what I'm saying? Like if you say, oh, maybe, oh, maybe, oh, maybe. Now I'm spending my wheels on the energy that I'm putting out to try to get you to get in an opportunity that's not going to do you any good. Therefore, it's not going to do me any good. And I wasted time and energy. Now, it's up to me to realize that that wasn't an opportunity for you. Right? Mm -hmm. The result that you're attempting to create and that I'm attempting to create aren't in alignment with each other. Right. You see what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. And And that's an important thing. That's a very important thing. And the best thing any of your listeners could do is get comfortable with no. Let no be your friend. Because what's happening there is a valuable investment is, is uh, uh, taking place from the person who says no to the person who's the recipient. The recipient knows that I can close that door and go look elsewhere if I'm dedicated to the result that I'm dedicated to. And I also have given you the space 
to go and concentrate on whatever it is that you're doing without me interrupting, trying to derail you to take you to be a video vixen mm. or whatever else somebody <laughs> else got in line for you. So I think that that's a very important thing that a lot of times we don't uh, uh, aspire to. You know what I mean? Because everybody, well, I'm going to be honest, yo, 10 years ago, 20 years ago, I was allergic to no. Somebody tell me no. Uh, I got to figure out how to turn that into a yes, right, mm -hmm. 10 years ago. Or I ain't even going to ask because I don't want to be told no. Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. How many opportunities did I miss out on because I didn't ask? Mm -hmm. How many yeses were out there but I'll never know because I didn't ask? Right. You see what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. Afraid of rejection in a way. Yeah, mm -hmm. that kind of thing. And that's the that's the, that's the the thing that's like... That's the inhibiting factor in most people's success. Why all of their great ideas end in the graveyard or why 150 relationships that should have been didn't happen. Mm. Because I'm so worried about not getting a no. And only that no is a part of the process, right? It's really a yes. A yes to you getting it sooner, you getting it elsewhere, and you getting it because you keep going. <laughs> That's really what no is. Because it's like, yo, love. Girl, you cute, girl. You want to date me? No, Shibli, not right now. Oh, damn. Okay. Why? I'm not your husband. And you're looking for your husband. Mm. I'm just a playboy. I just think you cute. And I just want to date you. Well, I'm wasting my time and your time. And the gift you give both of us in no is you get to wait for your husband. And I didn't waste however much time that I would have been in pursuit of you like that in that space, right? Mm -hmm. And those are all crazy examples, but it's just something to give illustration to the conversation that, yo, take note, mm -hmm. take it, take it with you. Don't internalize it because it don't have nothing to do with you. It's not a rejection to you. It's you didn't want to be in Amway right now. You wanted to be on social media development. Mm -hmm. You didn't want to be in a relationship with that individual right now. You wanted to be focused on your career and waiting for your husband. Mm -hmm. You see what I'm saying? How much time do you think you save yourself by saying no to both of those things? Right. A lot of time. And you don't even know how much time you're actually saving yourself, to be honest. But it, it prevents you from going down what we call, you know, that rabbit hole. Like, there's, like, no end to this. Um, and I appreciate that example because that's one of the things I talk about a lot on my platform is relationships. But being able to know, like, again, going in with that goal, I know exactly what I want. So if I see something that's not that, it's like, okay, I don't have to waste my time with it anymore. Whereas other people, you know, they may not know what they want, so they waste their time with a lot of different people that really aren't up to par. And it's difficult. Having those conversations are tough. It's but not easy. They become easier the more you have them because they become your second nature. You right. know what I mean? It's okay for me to say no because I'm not worried about how you're going to receive it. Mm -hmm. If you receive it and you pissed, that's your prerogative. I got to save space for you to have that experience, mm -hmm. right? And... And what you said is something, because I know I, I had opened that conversation and that dialogue up to personal relationships, but everything is relationship. 
There's nothing in this life where you're involved with another human being that's not a relationship. Even you and people you don't know, strangers, John Q. Public, there is a relationship with how you treat people that you don't know. Mm-hmm. I am often criticized by a lot of people because I treat people that I don't know the same way I treat people that I love, mm-hmm. right? Because for me, everything is given off the top. It's unabated. It doesn't have any context to it. So if I'm a person who's a loving individual, I'm a love a person straight off the top. Like, you could do things that make me know that I need to be cautious of how I proceed in relationship with you, those will be your results that will happen as we go. But off the top, everybody gets the benefit of the doubt. Mm -hmm. Everybody. Whether it's a general relationship with a stranger and how I'm in relationship with the person who's helping me behind the cash register at Walmart, or whether it's the relationship with my wife, or whether it's the relationship with my mother or my children, or my in-laws, or whomever, the the person that I work for, so my boss, the community that I serve, the people who don't even know me, that I'm out here right now advocating for when I advocate for policy change and housing for people who are coming back and need a second chance, right? That's a relationship. If I didn't love this segment and this demographic enough, I wouldn't be making these sacrifices. I wouldn't get out of my bed in the morning at, 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 at six o'clock so that I could drive two hours to make sure I hang out with love so that we could give something of value to somebody who may not never even come in contact with me. They might not never know me, right? And that's a, a, a labor of love. And that's where you find passion, purpose, profession, and all those things intersecting to be the most powerful individual that you can be, Right? So only that I can be, right? Because I can't uh, affect what somebody else does, right? All mm-hmm. I can affect is what I do. Absolutely. And, and so relationship is, is super, super important when it comes down to how you're engaging them, what type of investment you're making, and whether or not you real, you standing in integrity, or you fake, you got your IG filter on. You know what I mean? I love them social media uh, 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 analogies now because everything you see on social media is so much creative for social media. Like, yo, I got to get the right angle. My my lipstick got to be this way. I got to put my foot up. I don't know if you've seen this, right? <laughs> but girls these days um, are posing and they got one of their feet cocked up a little bit and like almost every girl does it. Right, including and, me. I mean, every, I listen. I said almost every girl does it, right? Uh-huh. So this is a thing. Like, if I were to take a picture of you and you weren't posing, your foot would be on the ground. Hmm. You know what I'm saying? But now that you're posing, and I'm not criticizing it, I'm just making an example out <laughs> of it that people do these things, and they're now second nature because social media has become such an intrinsic and intimate part of us, our psyche, our public presentment, Mm -hmm. that we have these things we just follow, we just do. Somebody see the foot up 100 times by 700 different women, and the woman just put her foot up, because that's what the image of, you know, this is for this particular time, Mm -hmm. right? And so I'm always the individual myself where I'm like, yo, you ain't gonna never see my Instagram self. 
you ain't gonna never see my Facebook self because that same dude that's on Instagram and Facebook is that same dude that's in the crib with the door closed having a conversation with my wife or at dinner with my dad. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? So the same thing that you would see at that dinner table is what you're gonna see in public presentment, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. and, and, and that is, that is part and parcel for relationship, who you are when the doors is closed back to integrity mm -hmm. and who you are in the public presentment. Not, please don't uh, uh, make that have any significance when it comes down to branding and making sure that you put out a certain thing because I am constantly conscious of branding and what I'm putting out. I am no longer a, uh, a, a criminal. I no longer practice criminogenic habits, right? I am into public safety and community development. I should look different on social media. I shouldn't be smoking a blunt. Even if I smoke weed, I shouldn't be smoking a blunt on social media. Because mm -hmm. that's not what I am wanting to be known for or what I am doing. Right. And you are the brand wholeheartedly. And that's another thing that I've been talking about, especially with Level Up Consulting Firm. So when you look at image, you have to constantly remind people that like how you present yourself that is your brand. You are the brand. People want to focus on social media and the graphics that they put out or the work that they do. But before I see your work, I see you. I see who you're presenting yourself as. I see how you carry yourself. You know, I see I'm listening to the inflection in your voice when you say certain words. I'm paying attention to that individual and their eye contact. They're watching everything about you. So what you present on social media is just one aspect of it, but the brand itself is a culmination of who you are and what you're presenting yourself as. And then on the back end of that, that consistency, because yeah, you, you look good. You know, like you said, with persistence, it seems like you're doing things well on this end, but then you look in your private life and you don't really have that going on. You're not consistent with your husband or wife or whoever you know, that that relationship looks different. Sometimes you're there for them. Sometimes you're not. Sometimes you care. Sometimes you act like you don't, you know. So that consistency plays a factor. And then, of course, the last aspect, which we've touched on, I'll talk about customer service, the customer experience. Everybody that you encounter, treat them like a customer. It doesn't matter if you perceive them as a person who's going to buy from you or not. And I also acknowledge that a lot of times when people don't view, when you don't view people as a customer, you treat them differently. Okay, well, at first I thought you were coming over here to buy, but now that I see that you're not buying, I'm about to disrespect you. I'm going to be rude. I don't want to talk to you anymore. And you don't, you can't treat people that way. The person that walks up to you and they ask 50, 11 questions, show them that same respect as the person who bought everything off the table, one of each. Because you don't know that person could come back. They may need something from you or they may need somebody that needs somebody something from you. Or they may not never need anything from you. But if somebody asks them, oh, what was your experience like with Chablis? They can tell them, you know what? I went over there. I asked that man so many questions and he was so patient with me. Boom. That's your brand. So all of those little things matter. Um, and I think the Treating everybody that you encounter like a customer is the most important because sometimes we just have bad days. And my platform is mostly women. So I talk about their hormonal side. 
You know, we have, we do have emotions. We're just, we're emotional beings. That's just what it is. However, don't always allow that to be an excuse for you not showing up as your best self. That person can't help what you're going through right now. You know, and in addition to it, there's always ways to combat what we feel like is natural. Like us being emotional like that and all over the place, that's not normal. Women are more emotional than men are. But a lot of the times, it's also other factors. Or do you drink water? What is your diet like? What you feed yourself, that's going to impact your energy as well and what you're putting out there. So um, there's just so many. I mean, everything that we talk about is like layers and layers to it. But I say all that to say everything that is you, everything that is connected to you is a part of your brand. So when you're thinking about the aspect of integrity, I want you to really consider all of those aspects. What do each of those things look like? What does your private life look like? Do you show these character traits in each of those areas? Or do you feel like it's more prominent in one area? Because I can honestly say when it comes to business, I take that so seriously. I take business seriously. I'm always on my P's and Q's when it comes to that. If somebody gives me some some constructive criticism, even if I don't feel like it's constructive, they could have said it in a rude way. I'm not taking that personally because this is business. So I can adapt to that. But I noticed in my personal life, if somebody told me something about myself, like, oh, well, you were kind of rude when you da, 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 I'm like, oh, no, I wasn't. It was always that deflection, always that like... My shit don't stink, for lack of better words. And that's how I would present myself. But I had to learn, like, okay, just how you treat business, you take that seriously. In your private life, you need to take those relationships just as serious and be mindful. Not just, oh, no, I said that. You know, I was just joking. I was just playing with you. No, they took offense to that. So maybe you should stop. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I, I mean, I I think that. As, especially as you talk about all of the layers that are outgrowths mm. of something as simple and profoundly important as your integrity, mm -hmm. being your same self, whether it's what you're presenting on your social media platform as it is with who you are in your bedroom, in your, your personal and intimate relationship is important mm -hmm. because I'm going to be honest with you you could be made on paper TV and everything else and if you got a messy home life to me you out of control right you're a rich sucker mm. you know what I'm saying because you pour in the things that make the most difference relationships and your contribution is the only thing that matters when you die, you could leave a billion dollars, but you ain't uh, uh, leaving it to do what you want it to do. You're going to leave it to the care and entrust it to somebody else to do whatever their agenda is to do it. Mm. And the only damn thing you're going to be leaving on this earth is your name and the legacy of what you stood for. That's right. So when it comes down to, to all relationships... Yo, don't be don't be a thousand on business and sixty two percent in your home relationship. Mm. I love a mess, yo. My <laughs> business is successful. Our home just wrecked. Right. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, and your business ain't gonna make you successful. 
You're home. You being the person that you say you are and being able to go out and make that contribution out in the community, in business, in in whatever, community service or whatever, that's what makes you value. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And and going back, yo, it all goes back to where where is your integrity in things? You know, how do you stand on things? When nobody is looking, because I'm telling you, after you snap that boomerang picture and put it on your story, <laughs> yo, whatever you had going on right there is over with. And the only thing that remains is what people take away from the experience. So if I'm sitting at that boomerang picture and I'm talking about generational wealth to a table full of 20-something-year-olds, the only thing that matters is what I imparted in that experience, gave to them. The pictures just like a, a, a visual image of what we were doing mm. but not the million dollar takeaway of what really transpired right 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 yeah and I remember um, I'm not sure if people still do this but I do remember distinctly how people used to say ask a man's wife you know what type of man he is in business you know and so they would really go to that man's wife and ask him like what is he like? How does he treat you? You know, if the wife is happy, then we can do business with this individual. But if the wife is not happy, then that's an issue. Is he taking care of his home? You know, what kind of example is he leading for his children? Is this person, you know, do they drink a lot? You know, and you did, of course, you're going to always have the women who want to protect that union and the family. They're not going to tell you everything, but her demeanor the way she says certain things, that's going to tell you what you need to know. And today, in today's day and age, you ain't got to ask a wife. All you got to do really is look up their social media. <laughs> you know, nowadays people have this professional page and they got this personal page. Mm-hmm. And one thing I found out is if you Google a person, anything that their name is in is going to pop up. Right. So like, yo, I could see your professional page. Then I see you on the next page with, with some Dracos and some Choppers and some Blunt and some Strippers mm-hmm. and, 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 and Crystal and Ace of Spades. And, mm-hmm. you know, you, y'all had a turn up every other uh, day. I don't know, but I'm telling you, the, the brand that I am creating, because the brand is the legacy goal, right? What I'm creating, it don't include that. It might mm-hmm. include supporting people who have had that as their experience, but it don't include that. So if that's your current condition, how at me when you on the other side of it and if you never get on the other side of it I don't mind but we're not going to get down together because Mm -hmm. you are the amount of your association my mom says all the time that your your network today is your net worth tomorrow you know what I'm saying Mm -hmm. so who you hanging around and what they're doing is going to uh, 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 intimately impact what your result is and what you're able to create. A grandma used to say, uh, you show me who your friends are, I'll show you what your future look like. Right. Right. And so all of those things are, are part of that conversation. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Like, yo, whatever you're going to be, the only way to make it happen is where, where you place yourself. Mm. That's good. So that leads me into my last and final question for you. So this integrity segment had two parts. It had two parts. Uh, One of them was you defining integrity, and I think you did a great job of that. And so the other side is, when do you feel like that was sort of cultivated in you, or when was a time that you remember you had to use that trait of integrity? 
So integrity to me is the, the thing that I stand on every day. So there's not a, hey, do you have to, when do you have to stand on integrity uh, uh, in any specific situation. It's like now, a lifestyle. It's, it's, yeah, it's a way of being, mm-hmm. you know, more than it is anything else. Now, when did I start to cultivate it? Understanding that integrity was everything. It was being cultivated even when I was in delinquency or criminogenic behavior as an adult. Mm-hmm. Why? Because it was integrity that said, yo, if you get jammed up, Take yours on the chin. Stand for yours. Don't bring nobody else in your in your madness, right? Mm-hmm. So that was the condition and quality or characteristic of being in integrity with like, yo, if I'm, I'm out here, we breaking law together, you know, if I get jammed up, I'm going to do my time, right? Mm-hmm. So it had, it had always been a condition, maybe not uh, applied to its greatest resolving result, but it had always been there. Mm. Now, incarceration, which was a 13-year period for me, was where that evolved and evolved and evolved. Why? Because there was two types of people in prison. There was the type that snitched, right, who was not for the criminal element, who was out of integrity, so to speak. Mm -hmm. And then there was the person who did right by the rules. Now, you got to understand where we at. We in a place where everybody's there because... They broke the rules. So there's not a doing right by the rules now, so to speak, that could make you a stand-up guy. Mm-hmm. Right? What makes you a stand-up guy is you hold your own. The G-code. Exactly. That's what makes you a stand-up guy. So imagine being in this space, right? This, re- this real dark <laughs> space of you can't tell mm-hmm. because now you ain't a stand-up guy. Mm-hmm. And you don't want to break the rules and regulations because you want to be a stand-up guy by the terms of the societal agreement. That means mm-hmm. follow the rules. It means don't speed if you're out in the street. It means if you're in prison and they say you shouldn't take anything out of the dining hall, don't take anything out of the dining hall, mm-hmm. right? So there was this space where I was like, listen, I'm not snitching, I ain't telling, but this is what I want to say. I ain't trying to break no rules. I ain't trying to do wrong no more. I'm trying to get my life back together. So please don't bring that type of activity around me. Right. That was a real thing and a real challenging thing that people had to have some nuts to do. You had to have some balls to say to everybody else who's breaking rule every day that, listen, that ain't my forte. Maybe you didn't learn nothing through this experience, but I'm learning something that I want to apply in my life. I just don't want to do stupid stuff and have to suffer the consequences as a result of it. Mm-hmm. So, yo, leave me to the side. You know, let me be on the side. Let me be on some cool now. You feel me? Mm-hmm. And, and that is where it evolved and I cultivated it the biggest, right? I used to tell people, I used to be like, listen, I ain't snitch on nobody. I took my 15 on the chin. I'm doing my time, and I ain't going to snitch on you. But when I get out of here and I get off of paper, that G-code shit is dead. I'm done. If you come break the law around me, I'm telling. Mm-hmm. Why? I'm John Q. Public. I didn't break the law, and I didn't ask you to include me in your madness. 
When I did, I stood on mine because that's what integrity meant at that time. Right. Now, my interest is in public safety, protecting the kid down the block, the old lady on her porch. That's what my interest is in. And if you ain't doing that, as an OG, I'm going to come holler at you and be like, yo, hey, yo, take that from around here, please, because. And I'm going to give you the reason why. If you don't respect that, and you don't have no appreciation for our neighborhood being safe and somebody's grandmother being able to sit on her porch and not have to worry about what's going on and the neighbor's kids to be able to play in their front yard. If you don't respect that, then we got some issues. Hmm. And that's who I am now. And that's how integrity has evolved. It has never been missing. It might have been in short supply, short hmm. distribution back in the day. In comparison to what the social construct says, hey, this is what you're supposed to be doing. Mm -hmm. And where it is now is exactly what I'm saying. And this is what I am doing. And I'm respecting anybody who was in the condition that I was 20 years ago. I'm respecting that. Mm -hmm. And I'm also just asking y'all to respect us. Y'all go do that where it's okay for y'all to do that. That's what it looks like. Mm -hmm. That's the evolution. That's what it is today. So... That's the that's the long uh, and short answer <laughs> to what you asked. No, I th- that was beautifully said, um, and I admire the perspective of it being more of a lifestyle than just something that you do, because it is. And honestly, when I look at any of those characteristics, especially like with persistence, that's a lifestyle as well. It's something that you have to do every day, you know, being diligent every single day, having integrity every day, having compassion every day is literally just being who you say you are. And also learning how, because I do remember a time where I really didn't have uh, those skills, like compassion, that wasn't my, that wasn't my thing, Um, which is how I started using the name love. So it was given to me by someone else But then I sort of made it my own thing, like, okay, let me personify this title. Let me make it something that's really a part of who I am. So now when I meet people and I'm like, oh, how you doing? My name is Love. They're like, you look like a love. You sound like a love. You carry yourself like a love. Because I remember a time where I really didn't have that. It was really like chip on my shoulder, feel like my back is against the wall, can't trust nobody type of mentality. And you can't live life that way because this whole experience is about building relationships. I mean, you, c- you could, could live life that way. However, it's... It would be it's deeply unfulfilling. Absolutely. <laughs> it would be deeply unfulfilling. It's like you... How can I really build connections and foster a sense of trust amongst other people and I'm not even trusting my own judgment to make the decision because it it really is very personal one thing also that I've learned about trust is that it really doesn't have much to do with that other person it's something that you're seeing or observing and it's a, a perception so you may genuinely not be able to trust the person but you have to trust yourself enough to know like I trust what I'm seeing I, I trust my discernment. I trust the fact that I can make this choice and then keep it pushing. So I'm not going to hold you any longer. We definitely went a little over an hour, but I just want to say thank you for being here, for agreeing to drive this distance to come meet with me. Um, 
And is there anything that you would like to say to the people before we go? I know you mentioned a book. Is that out yet? Oh, yeah. Uh, first, I'd like to say thank you for the, for the invite and the opportunity. I always consider it a, a privilege, but it's also a pleasure just to be able to share my experience because really that's where my where the jewels are, mm-hmm. right? The treasure. And I was just getting ready to say when you said you could live that way and I said it would be uh, deeply unrewarding, life is really richly rewarding and um, it's a treasure that comes out of the mindset and the, the spirit of abundance mm-hmm. when you're able to share pearls of wisdom with anybody else because it's it's planting a seed and it's teaching people to fish right you may mm. not I may not never see any of the people who listen to this but I've made a contribution in their lives and that's richly rewarding so the first thing I'd like to say is thank you um, for the opportunity thank you for considering me and any of my archetype as something worthy to be shared with your audience but the other thing that I would like to say is I wish I could have gone on persistence and uh, honesty and loyalty. Um, integrity is something that's important to me, so that's why I chose it. But I'm, I love, like, yo, we sit here for months. I, <laughs> I could be a podcast for months because that's, that's where I believe my greatest uh, attributes and contributions are in sharing. So, mm. um that, that is something else that I wanted to, to leave. And the last thing is, if you want to connect, you can find me on IG. It won't be no whole lot of posting. It won't be no whole lot of boomerangs with the foot up. But And I don't post no filters. But what I do post is, is good stuff. So you can catch me there at The Real Shibli. And yes, the book is out. It's on Amazon. It's called A Letter to My Sons. Leaving a legacy of love. My name obviously should bleed Dandridge. Um, good book if you got black men in your life. Good book if you got a man in your life. Good book if you want to understand men. Good book if you just want to hear perspective that's radically different from probably uh, most of the stuff that you come in contact with. But yeah, catch me at any of those spots. I'm online, shabliedandrews.com, anywhere, you know, I like making contributions, so if it sounds like something I'm aligned with, I say yes most of the time. If it sounds like it's something off the beaten path, I say hell no sometimes. <laughs> I, I, I try to be compassionate, sometimes I say no, but uh, if, if there are anything that people hear in this this exchange that they think that they want to reach out to me, please, by all means, be my guest. Love it. And just so you all know, Shabli is spelled C-H-A-B-L-I-S. So just be mindful of that in your search. And then, of course, you can always reach out to me at info at Hanging Out With Love if you hear him or anyone else on the podcast and you're like, how do I get in touch with them? Please don't hesitate to reach out and I can send you their direct links. So peace and love to you all. Um, Have a great day. I hope you learned something from this and I will talk to you in the next one.